when the storm sirens go off. You ready to get yourself and your family down your storm shelter? Nah, man, not me. I opened up mine the other day. Grass clippings, dead spiders, a couple live spiders, a dead scorpion, live crickets were down there. Why would I have my wife and my family go down to that storm shelter? Can't even keep it clean. So what I decided to do, I called up stormcheck.team. They team up with local veterans to keep your storm shelter safe and clean. They offer their signature five point service, which includes they get down there, they vacuum, they clean those dead spires, grass clippings, live spires, gone. It's sanitized, it's deodorized. They give you fresh water supply, install a motion sensor LED light. How brilliant is that? And they ensure that your shelter location is registered with your local emergency management office in your respective city, state, and town. Freaking brilliant. For the premium subscriber, you get to see them twice a year and you get a first aid kit. Give them a visit on the website, www.stormcheck.team. Get to know them. They're awesome. They're undefeated, just like your storm shelter will be. That's www.stormcheck.team. Stop being afraid of your storm shelter. Give them a call. Okay. Ready, coach? I am ready. All right. Welcome back to the Undefeated Defining Moments podcast located here in Project 3810, the house that Kyle Golding built. Coach, welcome to the podcast, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy birthday to your wife today. Thank you very much. Awesome. So we have a gift bag of swag oh. for you and the missus. Okay. I don't know if yeah. I should open this now. No, you can open it up later. Okay. Okay. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, it, good, it, good will. It'll work. It'll yeah. Work. <laughs> Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. appreciate it. Thank you. We connected maybe a year, year and a half ago um, at some of these fitness centers located around Oklahoma City, OAC. Yes. And then we have a common friend, Coach Tom George. You are the strength and conditioning coach at QB Impact. Yes, sir. How long have you been doing that? Officially, I officially met Coach George last year. Um, I want to say during the whole COVID issue when gyms were shutting down, I yeah. met him at the Oklahoma Athletic Center. Yeah, and that's where we first met. And um, at first, it was kind of because I came from Athlete Inc. and it was kind of like, who's right. who's this guy? Why is he in here? And uh, <laughs> but then we we ended up realizing that we were very similar to yeah. each other, and we became really good friends, almost brothers. So. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yes. My question, first question is, what's on your mind today? What's a topic that you like to discuss? Hmm. I, I think it depends. There, there's a lot to discuss. There's a... Uh, I'm very big on, uh, I don't want to say political events, but I like to kind of push the envelope a little bit. Okay. So, for example, like the vaccines and things like that. Sure. That can be a touchy subject for a lot of people, but I don't mind speaking on it, and everyone has their opinions. And for me, it's I think it's healthy to have disagreements and be okay with, you may feel this way, and that's okay. It doesn't mean you're wrong. Mm -hmm. It just means that's your way of thinking. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I like it. 
So you have an opinion on the vaccine or not, or how many boosters should you get? Um, I th- <laughs> that's a tough one as well. I feel like as far as your body's natural ability to fight things off, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people joke around and say, hey, when I was a kid, I used to eat dirt. <laughs> and you eat dirt so that your body can, your immune system can build, you know, strength and, and to do these things. And right. I think in today's society, it's tough because with COVID and the pandemic and everything, sure. it happened so fast. And I don't think there was enough time to study the effects of what's going on. I think people are so quick to jump on and do this without seeing the long-term effects of things. Mm. Um, I don't judge anyone that is vaccinated. I sure. don't judge anyone who's not. Right. I just think that, you know, the term anti-vaxxer, that's a tough term for me because yeah. I have them all the vaccines, polio and everything else. Right. I don't think those who don't believe in getting the COVID vaccine or anti-vaxxers, they may have an opinion on that specific vaccine, but they're not against all vaccines. I think there's this all in none principle and no one's looking at the gray area. It's mm. just either you're for or you're against or you're, it's, yeah. it's a touchy subject for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it is a touchy subject for a lot of people. And, you know, the, bringing you on this podcast is just expressing your thoughts, your ideas, your opinions on whatever you may have. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not here to press and pry. You're free to talk about whatever you like. And if I have questions about it, I'll ask you. And if I don't, then uh, we're going to move on. I so. Again, I am an open book. So <laughs> whatever you ask, uh, I'll have an answer for you. Yeah. Strength and conditioning coach, how did you get into the subject matter? I originally was going to be a cardiologist. That, wow. that was my original career path and my passion, and I had zero interest in training athletes. Um, I remember I was a walk-on at Marshall University, and my academic advisor at the time told me that if I tried to be a biology major and do the prerequisites for med school, that would be too difficult of a course load for me, so she advised me to do adult fitness, which meant I was going to be a gym teacher. And at 18, 19 years old, I didn't think much of it. Now I'm 35. It's kind of a slap in the face saying, hey, you're not capable of doing this. Mm. Um, But then I remember my strength coach in college, Mike Cochran, had a big impact on me. And I asked him, I said, "What, what is it that you do? What did you study? And he told me what he studied. And I said, I remember, I said, my job, what I want to do is I want to create a bunch of like Captain Americas, like these superheroes where you're running this fast, you're jumping this high, and you're just abnormal. And I thought that that was the coolest concept that I could think of. And that's kind of where it it led me to going down this path of wanting to be a strength conditioning coach. Mm. How was that path for you? How difficult was it for you? Oh boy, almost (laughs) impossible. Um, my career started as an intern at the University of Texas. So I remember I was, I had just got my master's um, in exercise science. I had just got my CSCS. And in my mind, uh, hey, I'm certified. I have my master's. Like, I should get a job. Mm. That's not how the world works. It's, <laughs> it was this young millennial entitlement mindset of, I have this, so give me this. And I was not prepared for what the world had to offer. 
And I remember sitting in my bed at my parents' house, crying, trying to figure out how do I get into this field? Every job I applied for, I got rejected because no one knew who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't matter what certifications I had, what degree I had, no one knew who I was. And I remember praying about it and praying about it. My faith is important to me. And something led me to Texas. I ended up playing semi-pro football out in Texas, and I originally was going to San Antonio, and the team that out there didn't answer, and then a team in Austin actually called me. And I said, Austin, Texas. I was like, all right. So I started thinking, I said, oh, well, while I'm out there, I might as well try to go to UT. So I drive 30 and a half hours from Queens, New York, to Austin, Texas. Wow. No family, no job, no house, nothing. Sleeping in my car, I was homeless for about a couple months. Um, the team that I ended up playing for, the owner found out that I was homeless and then actually brought me in and was like, hey, like we can't have you just sleeping in your car. But I remember going to the University of Texas and I said, hey, I want to intern. And they said, who are you? And I, I didn't understand the question. I said, uh, my name is Mahalo Wiggins. I'm from Queens, New York. I am the youngest of eight children from James and Florence. My dad's Marine. I just gave him a whole, they said, we understand that, but you literally just came off the street. Who are you? Like, we have thousands of applicants. We have people here, and you just came out of nowhere. And uh, I ended up sitting down with Donnie Mabe, who was the intern coordinator at UT. We were discussing strength and conditioning, and then he had an I Am Second band on his wrist. So I Am Second is, I believe it's about John, John the Baptist, and he was talking about he is second because Jesus comes first. And I remember asking Coach Mabe, I said, hey, I said, are you a believer? He said, yes. And we stopped talking about strength and conditioning, started talking about Jesus, and then the next day I got the internship. Wow. And that is my testimony as well, but that's where my strength and conditioning career started because from there I went on to Columbia, went on to University of California, Berkeley, I did an internship with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I ended up getting picked up by Oklahoma University that following March. Mm. So it was a long journey, and it's still a process, but just got to keep keep fighting. Yeah. Where have you learned going from UT to Columbia to the NFL back to the University of Oklahoma? Never stop learning. I think often especially as an assistant, I made a lot of mistakes that, looking back, I could have handled situations a lot differently. Um, Often as an assistant, you think you may have all the answers, but you don't understand what it's like to be the head guy or to be the lead. Mm -hmm. So often you say, well, I would do this differently, but then when you're actually in that position, it's, oh, shoot, bullets are flying, it's a lot different. Um, What I've learned the most is stay humble. And no matter how ready you think you are, just understand that those that are are in the position above you are there for a reason. And wait your turn and be patient. Mm. That's impressive. Yes. What's a mindset like from NFL athletes to collegiate athletes? And then we'll take a step further to youth athletics. Night and day. I would say at the NFL level, that is not a place that I would desire to be. I would say it's tougher because as you get higher up, more elite athletes, and what happens is 
a lot of those guys, grown men, you can't tell them what to do, right? So I remember while I was an intern with the Jags, and I don't remember the player's name, but I wouldn't put his name out there anyway, but <laughs> I, I said, hey, you know, we're going to foam roll, and his response was, no, I'm good. And I was like, all right. Uh, <laughs> and I was trying to explain why the foam roll was good. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. And you, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, well, this is going to help you because of this. But at the end of the day, these are grown men. They have families, and you can't make them do anything. And, and also, I was probably younger than he was, so it was like, you're a child. You can't tell me what to do, you yeah. know? So it's it's tough, you know? Yeah. Collegiate level, um, you're at that level where a lot of those guys are hungry to make it to the next level. So often when they first come in, they're very eager to do whatever you coach them to do. Mm. As they start to find some some stardom, they start to find their way, they kind of backtrack a little bit and, well, I made it, you can't tell me what to do. But then as they're seniors, they realize like, oh, shoot, I don't have much time left. I need to get ahead and do all the right things. So you have, give or take, 260 weeks in a five-year career or something like that. And what happens is usually people wait to the last six weeks of their senior year to want to do pro day training. And But if you worked that hard the past 254 weeks, you would be in a better position instead of trying to cram everything within six weeks. That happens often. High school, a lot of kids don't truly understand what they want to do yet. Um, You may have one or two kids on the team that may go to college. The other kids are just there because they just want to be with their friends. Um, So that work ethic, for the most part, isn't there because that culture was never established. Mm -hmm. So culture is, is the key for any level. Mm-hmm. Um, you establish that culture, and it it makes things run a lot smoother. Yeah, yeah. Listening to you speak, I feel like you're even killed, well spoken, well thought out. When you're out there coaching in the warm ups or through drills, how do you shift your mindset from even killed to bring it up more intensity to the next level to bring more out? You, you kind of get lost in the moment sometimes during the game. I remember, um, I'm going to put Ty Darlington, shout out to Ty Darlington. Um, my first season at OU, uh, we were playing Tennessee, and that was a double overtime game. And I remember, I think it was probably like the last drive that led to going into overtime, and the O-line was huddled up, and I remember headbutting Ty. Now, Ty had his helmet on. I obviously did not have a helmet on. <laughs> and I gave him everything I had, and he just kind of looked at me, and I was like, let's go. And I don't cuss or anything, so, but the amount of energy that I brought, it shocked him. He was like, you just, you don't have a helmet on. And I'm pretty sure I chipped the bone in my forehead because I, I definitely felt something wasn't right, but I don't remember a lot of that. And he told me, do you remember doing this? And like, I was like, not really, <laughs> but because you get lost in the moment, and when that happens, it's... It's like a switch. You're a different person. You don't mm-hmm. realize it until like you see yourself on film and you're jumping in and doing all these things, and because yeah. you're you're excited, you're in the moment, and and nothing else matters. It's like a like an alter ego, maybe. Yeah. That's interesting. Yes. How long were you at the University of Oklahoma? Three seasons. I started 2015, and I departed 2018. Yeah. What was the culture like when you were there? It was. Not, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Schmidt was 
Schmitty, as people know him, yeah. is probably one of the most intense strength coaches I've ever been around. He he does a great job of getting kids to work. Mm. And that's been his MO is working hard. And the way he prepared these athletes, not just for the game of football, but for life, is different than I've ever seen. It's if you can survive a Schmitty workout, <laughs> then there's nothing you're going to go through in life that's that's difficult. Mm. You know, you're in a workforce and it's it's uh, it's the summertime and you're like, I did 5 a.m. workouts with Schmitty. Nothing I do at this point is going to be too difficult for me to overcome. Mm. He mentally prepared not just the athletes, coaches as well, because <laughs> we had to go through that as well. Um, but he mentally prepared you to to conquer anything, really, which is a uh, it's a lot to say. Yeah, yeah. And then you were there for three seasons, and then what happened after that? I I got let go. Uh, it was Wednesday, September twenty second, ten thirty a.m. I remember it was we were going to play Army that Friday mm-hmm. or Saturday. Friday or Saturday. It was we were playing Army that week. Yeah. And um Benny Wilder was the head strength coach. We we just didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. We had a it's like oil and oil and vinegar, oil and water. Um we just we weren't compatible and we bumped heads a lot. Never in front of the players. I was I was I would never be disrespectful in front of uh the players. We would behind closed doors have a disagreement, but sure. I remember that day he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, hey, coach, you have a meeting at 10.30. And I was like, what is this meeting about? Because at that point, there wasn't anything that happened that day that was like, this is going to happen. And I remember I had a meeting with him and the, uh, it wasn't the AD, it was like the attorney of the school and someone else, and they terminated me and said, okay. And... um I kind of knew it was coming because, again, myself and the head strength coach, we we did not get along at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think it would happen in the middle of the season on a Wednesday. That was kind of like, okay, yeah. well, all right, so that's a shock. But um, the toughest part was me not being able to speak to the players about it. So it was kind of like, you have to be gone now. Mm-hmm. And it was like, all right, well, can I tell the players like goodbye? It was like, no. And it was like, so now you have all these speculations of what happened to Coach Mahala. Then it was like, Coach Mahala quit. So I didn't quit. My thing is, I'm a very honest person. If you fired me, then it's okay to say you fired me. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It's a business, right? Don't say I quit, though, because then it makes it look like I gave up on these kids. And that bothered me. So um, I think he may have not wanted to say that he fired me because it would it look bad. It wouldn't look too good. Um, but that's what happened. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I contacted him on Christmas. Like, I try to reach out and I try to, you know, we're both adults. It was a business decision and um, it's okay. It's There's no animosity. I don't hate him or anything like sure. that. I don't know how he feels about me. But um, reach out, Father's Day, Thanksgiving, you know, wish him well, his family well. But at the time, that's what happened. And it's, it's part of life. Yeah. You know, listening to you t- speak to that, that's admirable that you would 
text him or communicate and just wish him well on certain holidays. Mm-hmm. I mean, big big days, right? Yes. Uh, I, I, for me, I think that's important to at least reach out and communicate. One of the biggest um, parts of life is to be able to do that and take, you know, the higher road, if you will. So well done to you, Coach. Thank you. It's it's a big part of growth. What I discovered is if if you hold on to certain things, um, there, there's no positive that comes from that. And one of my clients, Dr. Bravo, she she shared this story with me, and I'll, I'll never forget it. She was telling me a story about this this Buddhist monk. And I don't really know the, the culture behind it. I'm going to try to hopefully not butcher the story. But there was a, a Buddhist monk, and he was walking with his, uh, I guess, one of his uh, disciples or his understudies. And as they were walking, there was a stream of water, and there was a woman trying to cross the stream. And what happened was, I guess in in the culture, you're not supposed to have interaction with females or touch females, or I don't really know exactly. But so the Buddhist monk ended up picking the woman up and carried her across the stream, put her down, and then him and his disciple continued to walk. So as they walk through the path and they walk through the forest and they're walking through the valleys and they finally get to their destination and the Buddhist monk looks at his disciple and he says, what is bothering you? And he said, you picked that woman up and it's been on my mind ever since and it's, it's just kind of bothered me. And the Buddhist monk said, I put that woman down hours ago but yet you're still carrying her. And when I thought about that, I said, whoa, mm. that just made my head like, he said, that was a long time ago. I put her down, but you're still holding on to this. And why are you still holding on to this? And it made me think. And I I try to hold, I try to use that, like moving forward with a lot of things. Like, you know what? I got fired. 2018, it happened. Merry Christmas. God bless. Happy New Year. Because to hold on to that, who benefits from that? Mm. No one does. Right. It's just anger that I'm carrying for what purpose. Yeah. So. Wow. And fast forward to 2020, QB Impact, Coach Tom George. Yes. How's that been for you? It's been great. Um, he's extremely energetic. He, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, in, in a good way, though. Right. He's ver- very energetic. We, we, we bounce ideas off each other. We, uh, we're always uh, talking smack. I, um, you know. Oh, by the way, I, I told him that Georgia was going to win the national championship. This is <laughs> this is back uh, back way back when. But uh, we would bet weekly on Crumble Cookie, and I won the first week. But I I've probably spent at least a hundred dollars on Crumble Cookie from bets that I've lost on college football. Um, but yeah, he's just just an awesome person. More of a a brother and a mentor Mm -hmm. to me. Um, Helps me grow a lot in ways I never thought of because he doesn't sugarcoat anything. And if I'm wrong, he'll say, hey, you're wrong. And I have to sit and think about it. Mm. And it's tough admitting like, hey, I'm wrong, you know, but he will not hesitate to let me know like, no, no, that's that way of thinking is not right. Mm. So it's, um, he's helped me grow a lot. Yeah. What do you search for in a mentor? Do you have any mentors? I have, outside of family, I have maybe 
two or three actual mentors. Um, the guy who taught me almost everything I know in terms of strength and conditioning, um, Ryan Sidzik. He was at Stanford. That was the guy I originally worked for at Columbia. And I remember I was at Columbia and the University of California, Berkeley had a job available. And he said, okay, well, it was nice work with you. Like, take the job. And I refused to take the job. I said, oh, but these kids, I don't want to leave these kids. And he told me, if you don't take the job, I'm going to fire you. And I looked at him and he said, that's the only way you'll take the job. If you don't take the job, you won't have a job here. So he was going to fire me if I didn't go and progress my career. And two things that he taught me was, I believe it's Eleanor Roosevelt, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. You can read all the books and have the best programming in the world, but it doesn't matter if the kids don't respect you or understand that you have their best interests at heart. So if I tell a kid we're going to do a 1,000 push-ups, they'll probably smile and say, all right, well, let's do it, because they trust what I'm saying. Right. Um, and well, actually, three things. He said, build a rapport. Always build a rapport with your athletes and control the room. So control the room doesn't mean control with fear and chaos. A lot of times, loyalty is the best way. Um, when people fear you, it comes rebellion. Rebellion comes. So there's no respect there. It's just kind of at some point, they're going to backtalk you and they're going to do whatever they want to do. But when people respect you, it's a different ball game. So yeah. at that point... You're, the athlete is more concerned with me being disappointed than me being angry. And it's kind of like with your parents. If your parents are angry at you, then it's like, all right, they're angry, they'll, they'll get over it. Right. But when they're disappointed in you, it's like, oh, man, I really I let them down. Mm -hmm. um, and that comes with respect. So build rapport. No one cares how much you know to the, until they know how much you care. And control the room. And those three things have been a staple in my strength and conditioning career, and I learned that from Ryan Sidzik. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Well, I, I can see that when I went to Arlington, when you guys had the QB Impact Camp in uh, Dallas, Texas, or Arlington, Texas, inside the stadium, and you were going through the warm-ups. Mm -hmm. I was like, I felt like you controlled, there's hundreds of kids out there. Yes. And I felt like you controlled that environment with hundreds of kids. So that's impressive. And, you, and some of them you knew, but most of them were just first time. Yes. Right? So how did you get to know them on a more, not necessarily personal level, one-to-one, -one, but how did you get to earn their respect and trust? Allow yourself to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So even if if I'm trying to do a, a TikTok dance or something, I may look like an idiot. <laughs> But they're like, this old man's pretty cool, right? So, <laughs> 35 million. Yeah, old, well, I mean, to, to these kids, they're 8 and 12. They look at me right. like I'm 90. But um, vulnerability goes a long way because yeah. it, it allows people to realize that you're a human and you're not yeah. a robot. So it's, hey, this guy relates to me, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that was very important. And another thing that I've learned also from Ryan Sizzik is your name is powerful. So what happens is on my first day, wherever you go, he told me, wherever you go, get the program, and I want you to go through the list of names and learn everyone's name and where they're from. So my first day at Cal, I got the program guy, the media guy, and I went, number one is this person, number two is this person. So when I'm at workouts, 
for example, being at OU, there'll be a walk-on. And I'll say, hey, Riley Nolan. And he's like, you know my name? Yes, I know your name. Like, I studied, and I know who you are, and you're important, you know? And when you call someone by their name, and they're not a Baker Mayfield, but they are Riley Riley Nolan or a Reuben Hunter or a Reggie Turner, it's important for that person Mm -hmm. because it's, hey, like, you took the time to learn who I am. And, yeah, it's important because I myself was a walk-on in college. So I know what that feels like, and I never wanted a kid to ever feel that way. That's amazing. That's impressive because it's a long list. Yes. It's a long list, and for you to do that within hours is – that's good stuff. It's, it has to be important to you. If, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. If yeah. not, you'll find an excuse. Right. How do you deal with negativity, Coach? I That's a tough one. I, myself, used to be a very – being from New York, um, I've always considered myself a realist. And not optimistic or pessimistic. It's I see a situation for what it is, and I call it for what it is. Um, sometimes it comes off as negative because I'm honest Mm. and I'm open. Um, as far as negativity, it's tough because another thing that my, my mentor would say, Ryan, he would say things like whenever someone says like something negative, like I can't do that. He always would put yet at the end. So Mm. that weight is too heavy. I can't do that yet. I can't do that yet. You will. You can't do that currently, but you will. Mm. So you take the negative situation and you find a way to spin it to make it positive or make it a possibility instead of eliminating and saying this isn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, at this point, now that I'm getting older, always try to find the positive in whatever situation it may be. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean be an optimist. It means instead of and I got this from Tom, Coach George, solutions. Mm-hmm. So stop looking for problems. What is the solution? Yeah. So instead of saying, we can't do this, blah, 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 we can't do this because of this, okay, what's the solution? It's raining outside. Okay, put your cleats on. There's no water. Okay, go buy water bottles. So he's really big on finding solutions instead of focusing on the problem. It's right. how do we fix the problem? Yeah. Um, and that has helped me a lot because instead of thinking of the problem itself, I'm thinking of the solution that can solve the problem. For sure. It's a great mindset. Yes. I mean, because you could go and complain, but if you don't have a solution, then you just become a complainer yeah. for life. Essentially, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I always say people who complain are complainers. They, you go to Taco Bell and you ordered a taco, not enough lettuce. Well, you complain about it, but yet you go back to Taco Bell. Yes. Right. You're a complainer. So it obviously wasn't that big of an issue because you're back. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. How do you identify strengths? And then how do you – also on the same note, how do you identify – they call them weaknesses or opportunities to become better, and how do you help them become better? I kind of – I try to read people. And the important thing to keep in mind is that everyone is different. So the way – I coach this person is not the same way I'm going to coach this person because they're different people. So often I really just, I just talk with people and I see the kind of vibe that they give me and how can I reach this person? So 
going back to being vulnerable, you know, you have a kid who may be 6'8", 350 pounds, but he likes anime. So it's like, oh, like you like anime? And it's like, so we'll talk about anime. It's like, coach, I didn't think you watched anime. It's like, yeah, I watch anime. But so, <laughs> and as they open up to you, then you get to kind of see the weaknesses, see the strengths, and you can kind of build upon the things that may be weak and strengthen those so that overall yeah. they're a strong person. Yeah. That's awesome. I was thinking about this. You, you talked about your name being important. And you're new to Twitter, kind of, right? Brand new. Brand just new. started maybe yeah. a month ago, maybe. Yeah. And as the whole OU football situation unfolded, mm-hmm. uh, Coach Riley left and the strength and conditioning coach left and they were talking about Schmitty and bringing him back on, your name popped up a few times with several different former OU athletes, wide receivers, linebackers, offensive linemen. I don't know if you've seen those, but I've seen them. So your name is it's huge, it's important. So well done to you, Coach. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen that. but I, I haven't. Um, yeah. I've been hearing stories, yeah. and I just try to – I was always taught to leave your mark wherever you go. Yeah. yeah. So just try to have an impact. And my father used to always teach me that – and actually, Tom George says this as well. Um, it doesn't matter if it's the CEO, if it's the janitor, treat mm. them with respect. 100%. So, and that goes back to it doesn't matter if you're Colin Murray or if you're some walk-on, you get the same, from me anyway, mm-hmm. the same level of respect. So if it's Saturday morning and you want to do extra and you're the fifth-string quarterback, yeah, I'll come in Saturday morning and help you do extra. I love it. Um, so that's, yeah, I don't know. Being a strength and conditioning coach, I feel like you have to be methodical. You have to have certain habits. Mm-hmm. You have any morning habits you uh, want to tell us about? I I like to start my day with a cup of coffee and reading my Bible. Okay. So usually what I would do is I would wake up extra early. I'll brew a pot of coffee. And I usually do the Old Testament in the morning, New Testament at night. And midday I do a devotional. Wow. Maybe our daily bread or something like that. But um, because to me, it's important to get that spiritual nourishment mm-hmm. consistently. You know, yeah. if you only went to church on Sunday and everyone's different. So sure. I'm not pushing the gender into anyone. But right. if you only ate on Sunday, but then you had to max out on Friday, you're not going to be very strong. Right. <laughs> so same thing with our spiritual walk. If the only time you speak with God whoever your God may be, whatever religion it may be, if, if the only time you do it is on Sunday, mm-hmm. then it's on Friday, whatever spiritual battles you may have, you're not going to be very strong because you've you've been neglecting your body spiritually for the past few days. Yeah. So the whole point of, and you know, the disciples pray as Christianity, give us this day our daily bread, it's that daily nourishment, just like you eat food every day so you can keep your strength up. Right. Same thing for your spirit and for your soul. I love that, man. I love that. What kind of coffee do you drink? See, I was getting made fun of because <laughs> I just became a coffee guy. So okay. I was drinking like Folgers and everyone was like, oh, that's mud water. And I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't understand quality. Um, then I got put onto Starbucks and and all these expensive and fancy blends. Mm. Um, I really just drink some, some Cafe Bustelo. It's that sounds a, fancy. It's a. It's really not. It's a really cheap New York espresso blend that every grocery store in New York has. 
and um, we call them bodegas back at home. Every bodega has Cafe Bustelo in it, and it's it's probably like three dollars for a can that big, and but it's strong, and it reminds me of home. So I drink it because it reminds me of New York. Nice, but it's it's not super tasty or anything. It's just I guess nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to try to get you a bag of gas station coffee. Okay, it's a new coffee I discovered, and I I love it. It's it tastes good, and it's you know it says something about going to the Freedom Road or something like that. I was like, yeah, that's my type of coffee. Yeah, Freedom and Road and coffee, we're good. Yes, I I, <laughs> I love coffee now. I'm a connoisseur. I have an espresso maker and everything at home. A wow, French press and and all of that. I've I've upgraded my my coffee bar. Have you ever had Vietnamese iced coffee? I have. Yeah? What do you think? Very, very strong and sweet. Yeah. And I think it's a good treat to have once in a while. For sure. Um, first time I had it was in the airport, and I didn't know what it was, and it it definitely woke me up. Did they give you the whole nine yards on the how it was made, like a cup of ice and all that? And they did not. Oh, man. They did not give me that. Uh, I go to uh, Foline. Foline, I think, on on Penn, uh-huh. and uh, I go get uh, I go a few bon mis and uh, yeah, and some pho, and and uh, I had a Viennese coffee there, and it was it was strong. Yeah, yeah, but it was good. Yeah, was good. for sure. Sometimes it's too sweet. Mm-hmm. But I like to go back into sports and mindset. Okay, how do you create a a culture of winning? I call it the undefeated culture. How do you cultivate a culture? Standards and expectations. Mm. And not necessarily rules and regulations. Rules and regulations are things you don't do. Standards and expectations are the things you do. This is what we stand for. This is what we believe in. And the important thing is to not lower the bar because when you allow subpar performance to become the new norm, then that's the new norm. So if we're running half gassers and if I say hey we have to make it in 20 seconds and someone crosses in 21 I say oh well I guess we can do 21 seconds that becomes the new norm so the original goal was 20 you have to hold the line and you have to say this is where we are and if you're not there yet push yourself harder because eventually you will get there but we can't change the bar we can't we can't lower it so that everyone else can fit it's not supposed to be that way it's some are going to make it, some are not. And those that aren't going to make it are probably going to get pulled along by those that are making it or they're going to get left behind. Yeah. And it sounds kind of messed up, um, but it's – if you want to be a champion, you, you have to have high standards. You can't put it – not everyone's supposed to be a champion. So if the bar's set this low, then anyone can do that. That's easy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's being realist. Yes. That's that's what it is, right? Yes. I mean, it's reality. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's made to be a champion. However, you can work at it and become better every yes. day, for sure. Hmm. Let me think about that one. I like that. I like that. Speaking of standards, expectations, let's say little Wong Lam, and you're my coach. Mm-hmm. I'm late to practice. What do you expect out of me? There, there are consequences for that. Yeah, what are the consequences? So, it, okay, if you're late <laughs> to practice, you're probably going to roll. You're probably going to do some up-downs. It's the same thing with, with class. So it's important I let people know you're not a football player. You play football. Mm. There's a difference. 
Okay, so you're not a basketball player, you're not a baseball player. That's something that you do. That's not who you are. And I think often a lot of these kids identify themselves by what they do. But when you're my age, you're no longer playing football. You're still a football player. You're not, right? Mm. So it's important to understand that academics, it's very important. So, yes, playing football or basketball or baseball is a luxury. And you get to do those things by going to class and keeping up with your grades. Because if you don't, then you can't play. So if you want to play football, just like playing video games, right, you need to do these things so that you're allowed to do this. Um, So if you're not doing well in school, it's called character building. We don't call it punishment anymore. There's character building that's that's required for you to realize that this is important. And it has to be important to you because at the end of the day, you can play football and tear your ACL. You no longer have a career. Mm-hmm. But that master's degree that you earn, you still have it. Man. So it's important for them to understand it because you can get a job with that master's degree, not necessarily with, oh, back in 97, I was a high school running back. No one cares. Yeah. That's true. No one really cares about what you did in high school or in mm-hmm. eighth grade, but they're looking at what led you to this point, yes. your backstory. Which leads me to my next question. You talked about being homeless, Austin, Texas, um, career change from different universities to pro back to university. Then you also talked about being fired. What are some other defining moments that you'd like to share with our guests, our listeners? That's a good question. I would say the number one goal in my opinion, is to help people. And Tom George always say, be a good person, be a decent human being. Some of the best training moments I had wasn't working with college or professional athletes. It was working with, you can call them regular people. Um, One of my biggest training moments, and I remember I cried when this happened. I had a client, I believe his name was Michael, this is when I was an intern at Texas. I was working at Gold's Gym, and Michael had multiple sclerosis. Now, that hits home for me because my dad has multiple sclerosis. Now, there are different levels, but so Michael came in, and he used to bike ride, and he used to do all these things, and now Michael had difficulty walking. And I asked him, I said, Michael, what is your goal? He said, my goal is to run again. And I told him, I said, Michael, before I leave Texas, you're going to run. He's this impossible. Long story short, we got to the the end of my time in Texas, and I was on my way to New York to go work at Columbia, and I took Michael to the side of the gym, and it was a grass field. And I said, Michael, I put him probably about 10 yards away, 15 yards away. I said, Michael, let go of the wall. I want you to run to me. He said, there's no way. I said, run to me. And I remember he started jogging. And it wasn't a fast run, but he was able to, in a straight line, run to me. And he got to me and kind of stumbled, but then I caught him. Mm-hmm. And then I cried. I cried because he was able to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a bigger moment, me personally, that I was able to help him than it was working with Baker Mayfield or Jared Goff or whoever I may have worked with or been a part of their training. But that, to me, was more important than training any of those athletes. Wow. And same thing with like Dr. Bravo. Her 
watching her on day one not being able to push a sled or pushing the sled and struggle with it to watching her push a sled with Tom George's son Nick, who's at the time 295, on the sled and see that progression, to me that's more important to me and it's more satisfying and it lasts a lot longer than I work with this athlete. Yeah. So be a decent human being, be a good human being, and help people. Yeah. Say thank you, say I'm sorry, and be okay being wrong. Admit when you're wrong and don't hold on to grudges. Progress, grow, move forward. Let go. Yes. Let go. I like it. What are a couple questions you wish people would ask you but no one ever asked Coach Wiggins? I don't know questions, but I will say that I wish people weren't so intimidated by me. Um, And it it sounds kind of funny, but I I think often people look at me and I don't smile very much because I I guess being from New York, you just – made my personality but I'm actually not a mean person yeah I'm actually a, a, a nice happy person I just don't show it enough mm-hmm. um I guess I can do a better job of being more inviting um but I guess question that people can ask me is I don't know ask me what I like to do what mm-hmm. what I like to eat what are, what makes me tick what am I thinking what uh just be be open to communicating with me and understand, again, that I am an open book and whatever question you ask, I'm going to answer. So be careful what you ask, um, but I'm going to be <laughs> as honest as possible. So what type of foods do you like? I eat everything but eggplant. <laughs> it, it's a – the texture – I don't know. It's the texture. I don't know what it is. It's a weird um, – but uh, the other day I had some some kimchi in the fridge, and like I love kimchi. Oh yeah. And um, but no one would know that because it's it's not a typical <laughs> food that you would just see in my fridge. But but I eat I eat so many different types of uh, foods. I'm very um, I want to say I'm very cultured, but kind of sort of. Yeah. It's I I will eat some things that I'll try almost. Almost anything. It's like, oh, there's a delicacy. And it's like, ah, oh, you know what? Let me try it. Um, yeah, I, I I, just love food. Food is like my number one favorite thing. Raw fish? Like sushi I, I love sushi. Wow, okay. I, I do nigiri. I do sashimi. I do it all. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, music. I don't have a certain genre. It depends on the song. There are some country songs I like. There are some... Jazz, blues, R and B. I think it really depends on the song. Yeah. Wow. Books. Any recommendations? Extreme Ownership. It's one of my favorite books. I've heard about that one. Yes. So Extreme Ownership was written by Jocko Willink and mm-hmm. Leif Babin. It's um it's a guide as far as so they created a group called echelon front it's a Mm. leadership firm and um they go around i think the book is 12 chapters and it talks about their experiences in the military and they do a good job of they tell some military story but they don't make it a military book if that makes sense it's not like 
back then we had this firefight and yeah. so it's not really like that. They tell you stories that uh, that make it applicable to the lessons that they're trying to teach you. But sure. um, one of my favorite chapters in the book is chapter four, I believe, and it's check the ego, complete the mission. Mm. And the book talks about, for example, I may be your boss for something, right? But you may be better at something than I am. And the goal is to complete this mission. So I need to check my ego, allow you to take the lead so that we can complete this mission. Often what happens in life is we rely so much on titles and we say, well, I'm in charge, so we're going to do it this way because this is what I want to do. Yeah. But it may not be the best solution. And again, solutions, not problems. That's right. So that chapter and chapter two is there are no bad teams, only bad leaders. Mm. And I was another one that was very powerful because yeah. it, it, I'll kind of summarize real quick. It took, um, there was team two and there was team six. And team two kept winning, team six kept losing. And long story short, Jocko ended up switching leaders from six to two and two to six. And our six was always losing, but now they're starting to win. And the leader that was at the that was at team six is now at six, team two. And he was like, I don't understand. I have the best team. Why am I losing? And Jocko let him know, it's not the team. It's the team lead. Mm. So your team was losing because of you, not because the team is bad. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very – I recommend that book to a lot okay. of people. Anyone trying to understand leadership or – I think that's a really good book. That sounds interesting. Talking about missions and things like that, it's almost like I don't want to go to your funeral. I don't want you to have to go to my funeral. So yes. we have to work together so we don't have to mm-hmm. go through that type of experience. Yes. That's what it kind of sounds like. I like it. Extreme book. Leadership. Okay. I'll have to pick that one up sometime. Well, we have a few minutes. We'd like to go into some questions from our Twitter followers. Okay. <laughs> Since you're new to this. Yeah, let's uh, let's see what we got. <laughs> All right. What ticks you off, as a matter of fact? What ticks me off? Okay, good question. I am – so we, we took a personality test, which was interesting. And it turns out that my main trait was like an eagle. So with eagles, we're very attention to detail. We're very um, – I don't want to say anal, but um, with eagles, if, for example, if I give the details to a situation and if someone says, huh, what? Like, what did you say? That bothers me. It's like, well, you're not listening to what I just said. Because to me, it makes it seem like it's disrespect. It's I Mm -hmm. gave you all the information and you just kind of like, huh, what? Like, so what ticks me off is when someone – a few things. If if someone is not paying attention, that bothers me because to me it's a lack of respect. It's I was always taught when adults speak, you give them your full attention. So right. whenever a coach speaks, you look them in the eyes and yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. Um, so that bothers me. And also when someone refuses to reach their full potential. So if they just don't want to work, and it doesn't have to be on a field, it's you're extremely intelligent, but you're getting C's in class because you just don't want to do the work. Yeah, It's wasted potential. That that bothers me as well. It's when you don't apply yourself to the max. Yeah. So those two things. Man, I like it. On the strength and conditioning, 
oftentimes it gets mistaken for it's just physical strength. However, I feel like there's a mental toughness side to it. Would you mind elaborating into the mental side of mental toughness? It's yeah, it's it's exactly what you just said. So often, um, the reason why we cannot complete tasks physically is because mentally we tap out, we give up. So it may be something as simple as when people say, I can't do anymore, but you can. And how far are you willing to go? And so I remember when I was in college, my coach would say, you'll pass out before you die. And that's not something you want to hear. But when you think about it, it's like, you know what? Like, as tired as I think I am, I'm not that tired. Mm. I just think I am. Mm-hmm. So uh, Shannon, actually, fresh morning coffee, um, <laughs> he would he would say to me, don't take the deal. And that's a term that he used, I guess, in the Air Force. And it was a lot of times your brain wants to make a deal with you, say, hey, if you stop now, we get to rest. And so you tell yourself, all right, well, let me just stop and slow down and I'll be okay. And he would say, don't take the deal. And it's like, mm. at times we have to learn to turn our brain off and just go. And kind of going back to OU, Schmitty was great at that. It's, you didn't have time to think. You just, you just had to go. Yeah. And you'll be finished. And when you're finished, then you can rest. But right now, we, we don't have time to think about how tired we are. Don't think. Just go. Yeah. React. Move. I like it. You refer back to OU again, so my I'm going to ask this question. What do you think you would regret not doing if you don't do it in the next five years? That's a tough Okay. What would I regret not doing if I don't do it in the next five yeah. years? Huh. Ultimately, my goal is to get back into college football. Mm. Um, I have to ask myself, did I do everything possible to achieve that? So I think what I would, would regret is asking myself, did I do enough to achieve that goal or did I just convince myself that I did, but I really didn't. Mm. Um, so whether that is trying to, for example, reaching out to certain coaches and saying Merry Christmas, that in the past we may have not had a good relationship. And you don't do that so you can get a job in the future, but you do that so that maybe they can look like, you know what, maybe I made a mistake, or maybe this person isn't a bad person. Mm-hmm. It's make sure that you do everything within your power so that you don't handicap yourself. You don't want to burn any bridges and put yourself in a situation where this is happening because of me. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of ownership too because you yes. you got to ask yourself the question. You got to be honest with yourself. The question is did I do enough and be as honest realistic from being New York as you are with yourself. And that goes back to extreme ownership. That's why that book is <laughs> very important. That's awesome, man. What are a couple of your setbacks and how did you overcome them? Setbacks. I would say two of my biggest issues that I have had that I'm still working on is pride and anger. Mm. And often when I get angry, you can tell because I usually get really quiet. And then I blow up. Um, But it's not very often that that happens. But also my pride for 
for example, if I'm wrong in, of, about a situation, um, being able to admit that I was wrong and being able to progress and move forward. Yeah. I think if I can eliminate or control my pride, that would also help with my anger. Yeah. So those two things, I would say, definitely are my major setbacks of whether it's college football or college coaching, those two things have resurfaced multiple times, which has led me to be in the situation I'm in now. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I would say those are my main two setbacks. Yeah. You think you and uh, Coach Tom George could go take over a college football team and make them amazing with I, discipline? and? I think with the right surrounding cast, anything's possible. Yeah. I think two people are great, but if we had nine other people with the same vision, that's what it comes down to. It comes down mm. to vision. So if we're all on the same page, I think I think anything's possible. Yeah. You talk about getting back into college. Are you talking about strength and conditioning? You talking about a head coach? Strength and conditioning. <laughs> I am not a football coach. I yet yet yet. <laughs> I um. I do coach linebackers at the high school. Cool. Um, my passion really is, is strength conditioning. Right. Um, with strength conditioning coaches, you spend so much more time with the athletes. Yeah. And, you know, 11 out of 12 months of the year, you're with them. So, especially on a collegiate level, you are directly responsible for the growth and development of these young boys and girls, essentially, into young men and women. Mm-hmm. Because they go from 17, 18 to 21, 22. Yep. It's a very important time in their lives, and you are responsible for molding those individuals. So um, as much as I do enjoy coaching, linebackers and stuff, strength and conditioning is definitely my passion because of the impact that you can have on their lives. Speaking of lives, how would you like to be remembered? How would I like to be remembered? Um... As someone who is helpful, it doesn't matter if my goal isn't to be liked. My goal is to help. So I may not be someone's best friend, but did I make you better? Mm. And to me, that's more important than being your friend, but I didn't help improve your life in any way, shape, or form. That's awesome. So did I make you better? That's how I want to be remembered. It can... Man, I hated Coach Mahalo, but I tell you what, he made me so much better. And to me, that's more important than, man, I didn't really get any better, but he was a good person. Yeah. That doesn't help. I I didn't help you, in my opinion. I like it. Well, in the last hour or so, I feel like you've made me better. I go back and listen to this, and I'm going to learn so much from it. And I appreciate your time. Tell your wife, little man, hello. Thank your dad for his service to our great country. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Last question. How do our guests or followers get in touch with you, whether it's a email or Twitter handle, Instagram? See, now you're putting me in a spot because <laughs> I don't even remember my Twitter. I don't even know how that works. I'll put it on there for you. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you can uh, define moments. We'll go ahead and help with the Twitter and the, the Instagram. I am terrible with social media. Um my email address, though, is my, my first and last name, mahalowiggins at gmail.com. Okay. But as far as social media, um, 
I'll, I'll allow you to, to help me. We'll in that post department. it all on our show notes. <laughs> we'll blast it out on social media. Man, thank you for joining us in studio 3810, the home of Kyle Golding. Appreciate it. Thank you. You for said Texas me. a few times and we didn't melt down, so we're good. Yeah, right? we're good to go. <laughs> I appreciate you, Coach. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Yes, sir. <laughs> thank you so much for tuning into Defining Moments Podcast. We appreciate your feedback. We appreciate your time. The time that you took to listen to their guests and their story. Any feedback you have will be greatly welcome. Improvements, critical thoughts, please let us know. Be brutally honest because that's how we like it. Enjoy your day. Stay undefeated. We appreciate your support to Defining Moments Podcast. A good friend of mine once told me the best one out there is the one having the most fun. And he's exactly right. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're having the most fun. Why? Because we can and we want to. Find us on social media, Twitter at Def Moments Pod. That's at D-E-F Moments Pod. On Instagram, Facebook at Defining Moments Podcast. Take us on the go from iHeartRadio to Spotify all the way to YouTube. Search Defining Moments Podcast podcast check out our swag at definingmomentspod.com we have a merchandise store a lot of great stuff follow us on social media we love to do giveaways why because we're undefeated have a good day